I'm not pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. So I've been having a lot of fun guests, and I have another one today. So it is Cedric Phillips. Hello, hello, everyone. Mark, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to sort of kind of driving to work or driving to our desk. <laughs> you were driving to my desk. So, yes. uh, yeah, it is true. The uh, the pandemic has done strange things to us. But uh, I, I have a lot of fun interviews, and I expect you will be another one. So um, let me start where I've been starting all my interviews, which is how did you start playing Magic? Uh, a story I am more than happy to tell. So uh, when I grew up in Strongsville, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland, uh, I had a friend named John Cross who I met uh, on the school bus because he could beat Mega Man X and I couldn't. And so we became friends based off solely that video game. And over time, uh, you know, we would play video games. And one day we were on the bus coming home from school and he showed me a Polar Kraken. And he said, this card is a card from Magic the Gathering. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But the artwork in this card looks really cool. So that night, you know, as I did most nights in elementary school, I went over to his house to play video games. And then we played. He showed me in some capacity how to play Magic and how to cast a Polar Kraken and what was going on with that. And I was like, this looks fun and different. And then we started playing like some free-for-all games in his basement with some friends. And then all of a sudden, I was hooked. And I was going to the local card store and buying booster packs occasionally when I could. Then I found about tournaments, and now 20-odd years later, here I am on a podcast with you. So that's, I guess, how it all started was Polar Kraken. Uh, so um, was Ice Age, what, what was the set that was out at that time? That's Ice Age. I mean, I know Polar Kraken's Ice Age, but it was, yeah. Polar Kraken was, was so, the set at the time? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Ice Age was the set at the time. I can't say with absolute certainty, but I know, I know for sure that the first booster I bought uh, was Ice Age because I remember opening up a Woolly Mammoth. Okay. Okay, yeah. so you're, we're talking 94-ish if, if it, yeah. it was Ice Age. Or 95 is Ice Age, sorry. 95 is Ice Age. So, yeah. um, okay, so did you play continuously? Or is it something where you played off and on? I can't say that I've ever meaningfully stopped. Um, you know, so I started, you know, in my friend's basement. And then we would play free-for-all games and stuff like that. We actually had a ridiculous rule where we had, like, these decks that were, I can't even tell you how big they were. But we had a no-attack-for-an-hour rule. <laughs> um, between the three of us and then after the hour commenced then we could start doing things um so you know it was basically like building up a big fortress and then you were allowed to actually start attacking your opponent so that was how things really started for me and then i found out that there were tournaments locally uh so whatever vintage was back then type one you know i played in one of those at the local store with like a land destruction deck and you know got destroyed but almost won a game and like almost winning a game was a really cool feeling and then, you know, I found out about, like, local tournaments, like Grand Prix and things like that, because a Grand Prix came to Cleveland in 2002. Uh, and then I was like, man, I really like this. And there was JSS during my childhood a little bit, uh, played throughout, all throughout college. And the only real break I took, I think, was my second year in Seattle when I was, you know, getting a real job, quote unquote. Uh, and so I wanted to focus on that for a while. But uh, I noticed that something was missing my life. And uh, my mom told me what it was, which was magic. And so I started playing again and haven't stopped then. So I think the only break I took was like in 2011 for like eight months. So your mom, that's responsible for getting you back in magic? Uh, mom is responsible. Uh, I blame her for uh, my career path and everything else. Um, I was um, I was honestly pretty lost at the time with knowing what to do. Because, you know, you go to college and you graduate and you're supposed to use your degree and all these other things that... Um, that you're, that you're, quote, supposed to do, unquote. And I just wasn't really happy. You know, I, I, had, I had a professional magic career that we may talk about at some point today um, that it had moments of success and moments of failure. But um, I remember uh, very vividly, uh, because you live in Seattle, so you probably know the city, Queen Anne, was sitting in a parking lot in Queen Anne um, with, like, no money, 
no job, had no idea what I was doing. And I called my mom, you know, basically crying and being like, I don't understand what went wrong. High school was so easy. College was so easy. I was a winning magic player for a long time. And now like, I don't have anything. And she was just like, you should go back to playing magic. And I was like, I hate magic. I don't want to do that. And she's like, you don't hate magic. It's actually one of the only things I ever see that makes you happy. So you should go back to playing magic. And I was just like, all right. And then all of a sudden, you know, like people, this was like right in the infancy of Twitch, mm -hmm. right? When that was starting. And I was like, I don't know, I guess people are doing this. So I guess I'll try that. And one thing led to another. I, I got a pretty popular Twitch stream. I got coverage opportunities and then boom, I'm making a career out of it. So uh, thanks, mom, I think. Okay, let's back up a little bit because uh, uh, we, we, before we'll get to the Twitch stuff, but let's uh, sure. talk about your professional career because okay. uh, that, that is something of interest. So how did you get into playing professionally? All right, so JSS is kind of where it started. Um, my dad would take me to uh, a store, like uh, like there was a JSS like about 30 minutes from where I grew up. And so oh, can we explain what JSS is? You, you and I know what oh, JSS right. is, but why don't we explain what JSS is? I'm saying it like everyone knows what it is, which isn't true. It's the Junior Super Series. And you might actually be able to explain this a little bit better than I can, but you know, it was tournaments for, I think, uh, kids like 18 years and younger. Yes. And then, uh, like, if you did well, then you could win, like, money for college uh, scholarships. And stuff. Yeah, so you want to, I'll explain, I mean, real quickly for those that don't know. Yeah. I mean, um, so what happened was, back in the day, due to some weird rules, we couldn't award prizes to people that are 18 or under. Okay. So what we did instead is we made a separate ceremony. But what we were allowed to do was uh, give them money that we could use for scholarship. Okay. So we set up this whole thing called the, the Junior Super Series. And the idea was it was for 18 and under. And the money you won went toward paying scholarship. That, that's how it yep. worked. And um, some younger people, you could be on the Pro Tour. You didn't, if you were under 18, you were allowed to play on the Pro Tour. But there was mm -hmm. weird stuff that went on. Um, but the Junior Super Series was really meant for the younger players. And a lot of pros that people know, a lot of them started on the Junior Super Series. Um, so anyway, okay, how old were you when you started? Oh, boy. I, I want to say like 13 or 14. I don't remember for sure. I remember with uh, like incredible accuracy the store that I played in for JSSs. It was a store in uh, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio called Game Trader. Uh, and this was like, you know, this is... Cuyahoga like, Falls, that's my... I, I'm from Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like, you know, I, I'm going over there. It's a store over Cuyahoga Falls and like, you know, playing there. And like, this is my first experience of like, hey, my dad's going to take me to a tournament with a bunch of people I don't know. And like, I have to make friends and I don't know what their decks are going to look like because this is also like really before the internet is all set up and everything like that. So, you know, I've, I've got my deck and I think it's good, but I'm not sure if it's good. And then, you know, you start making some friends and you might see them in other JSS locations and... It's kind of in the same way that, you know, you might make friends playing sports on travel teams and stuff from other areas that aren't, that aren't the city you grew up in. So I, I met some friends that way. Uh, and then I found some local stores um, that had tournaments where I was from. There was like, a, you know, a $10 tournament on Wednesdays at Hoppytown USA in Strongsville. And then every Saturday in my in my years in high school uh, at my my local store, which I is still there and I still go to when I go home, Ground Zero Comics in Strongsville, Ohio. There's a $5 win a box tournament. First place was win a box, no other prizes, right? And so I used to love playing those tournaments. And we got like 30 people for those tournaments. It got like this, uh, this, this, um, uh, like this recognition around Northeast Ohio of, oh man, you got to go on Saturdays to Ground Zero because uh, like it's a cool environment and like there's a lot of good people there. So I started playing there, started meeting people in Ohio like Tim Ayton, um, who was a really accomplished Magic player in the area. And all of a sudden, like I, I'm kind of learning from these people that are way better than me. Uh, Grand Prix Cleveland comes to town in 2002 and, and, you know, some of my local friends are playing in that. And then some of the people I've met at other stores are playing in that. And I ended up getting 20th place, uh, which was second place for amateur prize, which was a thing they used to have way back in the day. And now all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, 
am I like really good at this? Which, I mean, I think I was okay. Um, and so, you know, now, now I'm starting like, okay, mom and dad, can I like go to Grand Prix Detroit? You know, because that's like a couple hours outside of Cleveland. And all of a sudden, my mom, who was really protective, is like, I don't think so. That's like two and a half hours away. And then, you know, my friends and their parents convinced them it's okay. And so we go there and, you know, have a good time at that. And, I, and all of a sudden, like, I, I'm working myself into like, this is really fun. Traveling is cool. Playing magic is cool. I'm okay at the game, but not great. But I love doing this. Um, there's, I think the dojo was online at that point. Star City Games was online at that point. So um, Magic Online is working itself into its infancy at that point. And then Grand Prix Columbus 2004 is where I kind of had my breakout performance. I ended up making top eight of that tournament, a tournament that uh, a colleague of yours, Mike Turian, won. <laughs> uh, his last Grand Prix victory uh, that qualified me for my first Pro Tour in Pro Tour San Diego, uh, which I believe Turian top eighted as well. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's just it just snowballs from there. I'm, I'm in heaven. This is all I want to <laughs> do is play Magic. Okay, so how long did you do professional play? How long was that? Uh, I would say that I kind of wrapped up my professional career realistically uh, at the end of 2010. Uh, I would consider like my last professional tournament that I really cared deeply about was Pro Tour Amsterdam. Um, that was won by Paul Rietzel um, with White Weenie, which was a deck I was known for playing that I did not play in the tournament. Severe regret to this day because <laughs> it was probably the best deck at the tournament. Uh, and I get made fun of a lot for not playing it when it was actually the best thing to be doing. Uh, and I decided to step away from from the game then uh, uh, for a lot of different reasons, frustration with performance, um, monetary reasons. I needed to actually just get a get a job and get a little more stable because I was just out of college at that point. And, you know, I've kind of come and gone professionally. And, you know, I've qualified for probably seven or eight pro tours past that and um, have won a state championship and at top eight at a Grand Prix and some other things like that. But uh, as far as like when I was, you know, all the way deep in the deep end of the pool of playing competitive magic, that's when I stopped was at the conclusion of that tournament. Okay, so how long after the, you stopped was the moment in the car talking to your mom? What's, what's the gap of time there? Uh, I want to say probably two years, maybe a little bit less than that. Okay. Um, where I had just, <laughs> never forget, like I, had just, I, I picked up some life insurance job selling mm -hmm. life insurance, like door-to-door -door life insurance salesman. And I was just like, this is horrible. I can't do this. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't know what happened. I went to school for restaurant management and now I'm a door-to-door -door life, life insurance salesman. And I hate this. And people are screaming at me when I knock on their door. And I'm just like, everything's going wrong. I don't understand. And my mom's like, well, you know, you could always just go back to magic. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And she's like, you do, you do. So I think it was, I think it was two years later. Okay. So was Twitch, what was the first thing you did once you started, started getting back in? Um, Twitch, really, you know, like I started playing online a little bit, but you know, I, I just, uh, I, I talked to some of my friends and I'm just like, I don't really know how to set up a Twitch stream or everything else. So I just kind of started looking at other Twitch streams and decided, you know, one of the things that after I did my research on this was, okay, if I'm going to do this, I actually have to know what I'm doing. This isn't a thing where it's just like, uh, I'm going to do this casually because I don't, I don't really do anything casually. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I was like, I want to learn and see who's doing well and what's doing well. So like at that time, you know, players like AJ soccer and, Michael Jacob were having success streaming and I was like, okay, there's, there appears to be interest in this. So let me figure out what's the, what the positives and negatives are. And the biggest thing I, I figured out while doing this, Mark, was like, no one had a set schedule. They would just go live when they wanted to go live. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It would be like, whatever your favorite television show is, it just, and it's on. Yeah. Right? And it's just like, well, I didn't know it was coming on today. Like, I would like to know when to actually go watch you know, Breaking Bad or whatever. I mean, I guess it's 2020. So whatever the show is that people are watching <laughs> right now, like what I, you can't just have shows come on at random times. So I decided I was going to make a schedule and stick to the schedule and people would know when to find me every day. 
Uh, and I would schedule for the same amount of time, no matter how long it was going. I think it was generally three hours. And, you know, after my three hours was up, you know, I wasn't going to stay any longer. And if you enjoyed what you saw, I'll be back tomorrow or after the next day is my schedule. And I, I think that gave me a competitive advantage. And then the, the biggest thing, too, is I was just really enjoying it. It was just really fun to play magic and entertain people and um, started to win a little bit again. And, you know, all that together was just like I'm building a community. I'm having fun with people. I'm listening to music. I'm singing. I'm being myself turned up to 10. I'm just going to keep doing this. Okay, so you do Twitch, you're doing the streaming. Okay, well, what, what's the next step? What, what, what goes beyond that? All right, so here's the next step. Uh, and this is another one of my favorite stories to tell. So at that time, Star City Games was running a, uh, was running the, as the, it was called the Open Series back then. Uh, and I, young me, brash and full of confidence and vibrance, decided I was going to tell them how bad they were doing it, which <laughs> is not the best way to go about getting a job. But I, I'm I'm vocal at this point. I've I've I'm built. This, I've got my confidence back, and I'm building a social media following. And I was telling them that they're just doing such an awful job. Just it's really bad and everything else. And you know, at some point, uh, you know, the people in charge are like, "Hey, if you think you can do so good, why don't you do a show?" And I was like, "Okay, fine, I will." So I do a lot of prep for the show. I do my first show with Joey Pasco. It goes well. And after the show's over, I get a phone call. And they're like, "Hey, we'd like you to do more shows." I'm like, "That's a really nice feeling." And you know, looking back on this now. Do I feel like a jerk with the way that I approach this? Yeah, it's not the best way to do it. But, you know, 24, 25-year-old me was a jerk sometimes, and so I decided to be pretty vocal about it. They gave me an opportunity. I took advantage of the opportunity and did as good a job as I as I thought I could do. They liked it, and it went from, you know, do you want to do one show to, like, do you want to do, like, you know, another show? To all of a sudden, it's like, hey, do you want to do, like, a show a month? And 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 to note, my, my, my life at that time is – my streaming, my my streaming income is my income, and then these shows that I'm getting offered to do um, with very little pay. It's like, well, this is what I got to work off of, and I'm living out of my friend's bedroom, and here we go, right? <laughs> so I started doing a, a couple more shows, and people were enjoying the commentary, and I was enjoying doing it. It was a lot of fun. I wanted to bring a much more professional approach to it, and I was fortunately given the opportunity to do that. And all of a sudden, now I'm streaming and I'm doing coverage of the SCG, well, the Open Series, then the SCG tour now. Okay, so. And how long have you been doing that? It's been a while, right? Uh, my first show was in was in June 2012 at Origins in Columbus. Okay. Um, so we are we are in year eight. So let's talk a little bit. One of the things I, I like to dive in a little bit is what people do, and that what goes into being a commentator. Like what what is the the special sauce that that makes you good at it? Well, I, I think the first thing is prep. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, if you're going to do this, you have to come off as an expert in the booth. And so that means you have to know the names of the cards, all the text on the cards. Um, you need to know the players and what their accomplishments are and, and who they are uh, to the best of your ability. And you have to go into this knowing uh, knowing your stuff, right? Like if, if I don't know that Giant Growth is a green mana instant plus three plus three, mm -hmm. um, what the heck am I doing here? Right. If I don't know that Reed Duke is, you know, one of the best magic players of all time and his personality and the, te the, the, the way that he plays and, you know, his tendencies and stuff like that, or William Jensen or Kai Bude or anything like that. Uh, what, you know, you, first things first is you got to do your prep. Uh, after that, you have to, I think, practice. The, the nice thing about the Internet is there's tons of footage of games. You can put that footage on mute and do your own thing if you want to, it, you know, in, in the same way that. You know, if you're a kid and you love basketball and, you know, you've got the ball in your hand and you're doing the, the, the turnaround jumper as the clock is going down, three, two, one, and you shoot the shot like you're Michael Jordan or 
preferably LeBron James, uh, then, <laughs> you know, you, you practice and you're going to be terrible at it to begin because you're going to be terrible at every new thing you do generally. But, you know, you practice over time, you try to get better and you get feedback and stuff like that. And you try to get comfortable in front of a camera uh, and you learn from your mistakes and you review the things that you've done and you just consistently try to improve. And that's all I ever try to do. Okay, so one of the things that I, I'm always very interested in when I talk to people is one of the things that's awesome to me about magic is that there's a lot of communities, right? There's a lot of different people um, enjoying it in very, very different ways. Yep. Um, and so one of the things I'm trying to do with each person I bring on is sort of have them, like, what are things that you love that you do, kind of introduce to people that maybe they don't like, either streaming or, or commentary, watching, like, the live stuff. What, how do you introduce to somebody that's never done that before? What, what, for example, let's take streaming. Um, how would you introduce streaming to someone who's never watched streaming before? So just a brand new person who's never watched a magic stream before? Yeah. Like, well, 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 I'm a magic player. I've never okay. seen streaming before. Why might I want to watch streaming? Why might I want to do that? Well, you, I think you want to watch streaming because you like magic. Uh, is the biggest reason. And, and the nice thing with magic streaming is because it's grown so much from when I was doing it eight, eight years, well, nine years ago, I guess now, um, is there's a ton of different audiences. If you like limited streams, there's streams for that. If you like you know, modern or pioneer or whatever format suits your fancy, you know, you can, you can find that. And, and the nice thing is you can find a personality that you like or matches up with your personality because the, the common bond is the fact that you like magic, right? That's what's getting you in the door. And then after that, you have to find, okay, well, what aspect of magic do I like? And, you know, obviously you know this because heck, you designed the game. There's a million different ways to play magic, you know, from, from commander to standard, you can be competitive, you can be casual, you can be somewhere in between, uh, whatever. And so now it's about finding which like, you know, which, which tree branch of magic is the one for you. And fortunately for, for people who like magic, there's a ton of streams out there and you can find the person or the format of the personality that resonates with you and learn more about that person. And maybe, you know, ideally enjoy that person. And that's why, you know, you see some streams that have a really big audience and you some, you see some streams that have a small audience, but for the streams that have a small audience, the, the people who watch that stream really like that person. And you might, you might actually like that stream. There's plenty of streams that I watch across different games and in magic that only the people only have like 40 viewers but like i really like that streamer so i'm just gonna watch them and it's not always about how many people they have it's about what resonates with you as someone who's watching a stream okay how about professional play so one of the way i mean it seems like a lot of what you do is create um entertainment through magic for audiences right yeah the, the, the thing that ties the stream and the professional play together is you're presenting magic to people so Let's talk a little bit about, about watching more professional play. What, what's the draw for professional play? How, how does that the differ draw, from? Well, the draw for professional play to me is um, pretty simple. If you want to watch the best people play this game, that's what professional play is. Uh, and the, the analogy I'll draw here is uh, because I'm a, I'm a big sports guy, I'm actually wearing a basketball jersey right now, and surprisingly, um, I want to watch the best basketball players play basketball. You know, and it's not, it's not a knock to college basketball. It's not a knock to the G League or anything like that. But I want to watch Kawhi Leonard. I want to watch LeBron James. I want to watch Joel Embiid. Like, I want to watch the best people play uh, and do their thing on the highest level. And if that's what you want to watch, that's where you go to competitive play. That's where you're watching a Grand Prix. That's where you're watching uh, a player's tour event, a Mythic Championship, whatever we're, we're calling them nowadays. You know, that that's, that's why... Uh, I gravitate towards professional play, and that's why I know a lot of people gravitate towards professional play. But I also understand that it's not for everybody. So for the people that love it, by all means, uh, check it out, turn it on. And, and if there are people that are new to the game that are like, hey, I want to I want to see what it's like to maybe play at the highest level or see people who do play at the highest level, 
you know, that's when you tune into those events and, you know, you're watching, you know, people who have these storied careers and histories and also people that are trying to make a name for themselves uh, play magic at the highest of levels. And for me, that's a lot of fun to watch. So one of the interesting things, I, I always like to find parallels between myself and my guests. Um, I, I, too, very much enjoy the entertainment part of magic, of, um, like, making content. I mean, yeah. you, and I, you and I make very different content, but... We, we um, do. We are both in the content-making business. Um, and one of the things that I find interesting is... Um, what drives you to make content? Why, why is this the thing that you do? Why, why are you an entertainer on some level? It seems the things you do is really bring magic to the masses in, in, in a way. Uh, I don't know. Like, I guess the main reason, I was going to say I don't know, but the main reason is, is because it's something that makes me happy. Uh, and if it also makes other people happy, then that's totally cool with me. Um, I have loved magic for basically all of the 20 plus years that I've played. Um, there have been some super, there have been some, High highs and some low lows, but on the whole, you know, I still love, <laughs> I still love playing like a one mana two power creature <laughs> and attacking on turn two. Like that's just never gone out. Uh, and if that ever does go away, then maybe I'll find something else to do. Um, but you know, I, I've always enjoyed you know streaming uh, when I have the time to do it. I've always enjoyed commentating on matches and bringing entertainment uh, and making people smile and laugh and also just creating moments. Uh, too, because I think that you know there are some people out there, and I was one of them at one point, who take competitive magic and their and their magic rules incredibly seriously. And so to be able to frame and narrate that moment for them is also something that I find to be a lot of fun. Because you know, for me, when I when I was playing competitively uh, heavily in like 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, one thing I would love to do if it were available, which it really isn't, is just go back and watch the old matches that I played. You know, at some point over the course of my career. Now we weren't where we are now with regards to magic coverage, but like, that'd be fun for me to just go like, yeah, that's like the pro tour top eight in 2009. That's my top eight match or anything like that. Like that stuff's cool to me. And to be able to be the voice of those moments is I think a lot, a lot of fun. I have to say. So one of the things that's you, I don't know, you know, uh, back in the day, back, back in the day, I used to do commentary. Um, and some of those tapes maybe are, are floating around. Um, I was not particularly good at it. Uh, but the thing I loved most, my favorite moment of doing commentating was when someone won and you got to do the so-and-so champion, like just that sort of like the, the moment of announcing them uh, of a thing and just the, the sheer excitement. Uh, there was something so electric about that. Like I used to interview, amazing. I used to interview winners, for example, after they won. And it's, I loved interviewing winners. It was just the most fun interview in the world. Well, you know, they're, they're so happy. Uh, and, you know, hopefully they're emotional and they're really feeling the moment because that's that's how I am personally and I gravitate towards that sort of thing. But again, with me being such a sports person and being raised so heavily on sports, you know, I think of infamous sports calls in my head. And, you know, nowadays with Mike Breen doing basketball and there's so many, I mean, there's so many great baseball commentators over the years um, and even some great ones right now. Um, you know, the calls that they have made, you know, I think, I think of... <laughs> I, there's a call I've been listening to a lot recently of Brett Musburger's call. Uh, in, you live in Seattle, so uh, of Griffey, Griffey rounding third, and uh, you know them beating the Yankees. And I think it's the ALDS and uh, in the kingdom, in the kingdom, which is no longer here in Seattle. And the, I mean, the crowd is going crazy, and the call is great. And it's just like that mo- that just the, the that whole moment of the call, like the the double from Edgar Martinez, the call from Musburger, Griffey running around the bases. All this, the crowd going crazy. I mean, just the whole moment, it just is going to live in time basically forever. And, you know, I'm not saying that we're doing those kind of moments here with the commentary we're doing. It would be awesome if we can have moments like that enshrined. But, like, just the whole thing 
uh, when it's done well, it's like kind of iconic. And I, I, I just really, really like that. I really enjoy that. So what is your favorite, like, what is the, the most iconic moment you can think of, of all your broadcasting where a thing happened is just, it was sort of, I don't know, the thing that stands out for you? Oh, um, I mean, that one's, <laughs> you're not the first to ask this question. Probably won't be the last, but there's a, there's, there's a Grand Prix in New Jersey. Um, boy, I can't believe I'm going to say this either, either six or five or six years ago now. It was a gigantic Grand Prix uh, with like 4,500 people and legacy and um, Star City ran it. And it's just this huge, huge, huge mass of people. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I was doing coverage of that event with Patrick Sullivan with Ias Hunt. And Tom Ross made the top eight uh, with Infect, and he was playing against uh, I, I, the person's name always escapes me, unfortunately. Um, and he was playing against a Landstill deck uh, that had like main deck copies of Sudden Shock. I mean, it was, it was about as bad as a matchup we could get for Tom, but this is when Tom was at the top of his game. Uh, and I'm calling this match with Matthias, and uh, I, the opponent's at like 19 life, and Tom just comes on in with a noble hierarch. And it's like, all right, I guess uh, I guess we're just going to try to go for regular damage now, which is a fool's errand, but all right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the opponent's down to 14. And now they're down to 11. And I'm just going to myself, like, is he actually going to pull this off? Like, Tom has won some unbelievable games of Magic on the SCD Tour and, and on the Pro Circuit of Magic, but, like, this one, I'm just going, like, okay, so, like, they're going to get to five, and then they're going to stabilize, and... Tom's like, you know, firing off pump spells, and the opponent's like, yeah, it's good. And I'm like, what's happening right now? <laughs> like, this, and this match you can find it on YouTube, but you know, he comes all the way back, and I'm just sitting there. I'm. It takes a lot to make me dumbfounded because I've been playing Magic and competitive Magic for so long, but I'm just sitting there. I'm just going like, I can't believe what I just watched. Like, he won the match. I mean, he ended up losing the tournament in the finals to Brian Brondewin. Um, but just watching that match of like the opponent and, and like one of the times that I think I think the opponent draws a sudden shock and blows Tom out, and Tom's just moseying on along more regular damage in his infect that can ends up winning the game. The opponent's kind of stunned. I'm blown away and Tom, nothing. Just like, yep, <laughs> business as usual for him. Yeah, the the, the Pro Tour one that I'm reminded of is um, Brian Davis versus Bob um, Bob Mar oh, Jr. Oh, this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's that equivalent on the Pro Tour where, like, uh, the joke is that... Uh, the joke is that um, Brian Davis went 5-0 and lost the tournament. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> that, that, he did win that match 5-0, but Bob won. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, if, if, I think that is online if people want to go watch. Like, just uh, I mean, Bob Mar Jr., obviously a pro tour, Hall of Famer, I mean, uh, mm -hmm. amazing player. Um, just he manages to win, a, like, a match that I have no idea how he won it. Um, that He should have lost every game. Literally every game he should have lost, and somehow he kept pulling the games out. And... Uh, so anyway, that, that's I, I, I do from uh, back in my day. I used to do a lot of uh, I used to do the producing for the Pro Tour for all the, sure. the final day. I did that for like eight years. Um, and it is fun because one of the things that uh, I always enjoyed was there's this raw energy that is there in competition that it's so neat when you can be part of that and contribute to that. And um, I mean, it's one of the things I I mean, I the sense I get from talking to you is how much you enjoy what you do. And yeah, I, I do. You know, like with any job, you know, there are always going to be positives and negatives. But on the whole, am I happy doing what I've been doing for the past eight years? Absolutely. Um, you know, this is this is never how I would have drawn it up. You know, I, I, like I said, I think a little earlier, I went to school for restaurant management. Uh, you know, I worked in restaurants for 10 years and, and, you know, playing magic. And, you know, I was hoping to maybe top eight a pro tour one day. And I did that and, you know, maybe have some magic success and really got into it a lot. But did I expect that I would be someone who people see as like a, a, one of the faces of the game or a magic commentator or anything like that. No way. Um, but as I did it more and more, you know, I, I fell in love with it. I decided to study it and learn it as best I could uh, to try to have a voice for it, to be able to create those moments. And, 
you know, one of the nice things that's happened over the past, you know, decade, and certainly when you were doing it, is just, you know, we, we can see, we see continued growth. Uh, the world championships this past year that we did in Hawaii, uh, at the end of that tournament, uh, I cried. I was so happy because like, I never thought, you know, the reason I started doing coverage, Mark, was because I went to a Dota International at PAX uh, West mm-hmm. in like 2011. And I sat there and I wasn't, yeah, I had played some Dota at some point in my life, but I, I sat there and I was just like, man, look at all these people. They're just here screaming and like loving this and like the games on big TVs behind us and everything. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Right. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, like magic is so awesome. It deserves to have something like this. Uh, even though like magic is so much different from Dota, like our, our, our game has been around for so long and it's unequivocally the best card game of all time. And one of the best card game, one of the best games of all time. And it's like, I, I feel like the game deserves to have that. And, and you know, at worlds, I, I was so happy and so emotional because on day three, there's a crowd uh, in the, in the Hawaii convention center that we were at. And, you know, I was calling a matches with Alias V and, and Marshall and Paul were there and Maria were there. I was there and Becca was there, you know, we're putting on a show and there's, and there's, there's fans, not, not a ton, but there are people there like cheering as Paulo is making his plays and on his way to winning and stuff like that. And I'm like, yes, we need, let's keep doing this. Like, is it possible? Now I'm not saying we're ever getting to the level of like we're filling up gigantic stadiums, but I hope we do, you know, because I, I think that that's something that this game really deserves because I, I just feel like it's the best game in the world. And I, I don't think it's out of the question that people will be happy to pay tickets for seats to watch like Paulo and William Jensen and, and Reed Duke and all these great players just do their thing because they're so good at it. And these are entertaining people and personalities and they're playing the best game in the world. And, you know, I always look at it as if other games can do it, we can too. Well, I have every faith we can. Um, so I see I'm uh, pulling up to my desk. <laughs> Yep. Finally made it there. Um, so any one last thought before we, we, we uh, have today? Any, any reflecting, thinking back on sort of your years, your 20 years? Any final thought? Um, it's been a wild ride. It's been up and down and all around. I've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I don't know what the future holds with regards to, you know, we're obviously going through a pandemic right now. So when's the next time I'm going to be able to fly to a convention center and call a tournament? Who knows? We're doing it online right now. I'm having a blast doing it. Uh, Player tour coverage, SD tour online coverage, all that other stuff. So um, I'm hoping that people are enjoying Magic right now. There's so many things coming down the pipeline with Corset 2021 and Jumpstart and Double Masters and everything. And, you know, as uh, I know that the, the, the Magic Twitter community and Red Everything Else can be up and down and all around and stuff like that. But ultimately, we're all here for the same thing, which is we enjoy Magic. So, you know, everybody, especially during times like this, let's just enjoy playing some Magic on Arena or Magic Online or via webcams or however the heck you're doing it. Just just enjoy playing Magic and um, appreciate that a lot of people are putting a lot of hard work into to make this thing the best that they can, and um, I'm trying to I'm trying to do some fun stuff with it. I know a lot of people are, and we're just all trying to get through a turbulent time. And maybe doing that, the easiest way to do that is just hey, a planes and a savannah lion. Okay, well, thank you so much. So uh, I've arrived at my desk, so we all know what that means. I mean, this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. But uh, Cedric, I want to thank you for being here. I appreciate you having me. It was a lot, a lot of fun. This is our first, I would say this is like our first official meeting. So this is actually pretty cool, even though, even if it is via Zoom. Yes. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a joy having you on our show. So anyway, got to wrap up. And guys, I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.